What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is February 23rd, Thursday, 2012. Uh, beautiful day here in New York. Um, it's sunny. Um, it's it's not too cold outside, So, um, which doesn't matter during this podcast recording because I'm inside. But I'm looking outside right now. The sky is blue. There's not too many clouds out, so it seems like a nice day out there. Um, unfortunately, as a comedian, I only enjoy the outdoors a couple hours a day. <laughs> but um, welcome. You are listening to episode number 51, episode number Bernie Williams. That's right. Remember Bernie Williams? Great Yankee center fielder. Uh, episode 51, and today I'm going to be talking about a bunch of different uh, bunch of different things. I just came off an incredible weekend of stand-up. I got in front of about 6,000 people, and a truly amazing, amazing experience I had for me. I also had a, a health scare. I uh, talked to you guys about that, and... Um, you know, still dealing with uh, dealing with something with that, but it's it it looks like it's okay. Um, and what else is going on? We're gonna talk some New York Knicks basketball. They're playing the Miami Heat today. Also gonna talk about the uh, Oscar awards that are coming up and uh, are completely overrated. So let's get right into it. This weekend, I just performed. Um, it was unbelievable. I opened for Bill Burr. Um, a lot of people know me and Bill Burr are really close friends and think I open for him all the time. It's really not the case. Um, we're really close friends. We hang out all the time. But I only open for Bill, you know, a handful of times a year. Um, you know, and if there's a big sporting event, you know, we do that. Um, but, you know, you try to, you try to, you always like working with your friends. We have a great time. We eat. We, we you know, bullshit with each other. But, it, you know, you, I'm, I'm trying to build my own career here. And, um, you know, some people are like professional openers where they go everywhere all over the country with the same guy. We were joking about that. We were just like, could you imagine how sick of our acts we would be? And just, I I don't want to, that's not what, uh, you know, I want to do, but to hang with my buddy every once in a while and and to perform on shows is awesome. And and this week we did the, um, or I should say last week we did the Bergen pack, um, which was about just shy of 1400 people in Inglewood, New Jersey. Uh, famous place. Carlin's done it, and uh, Cosby's done it. Joan Rivers, Don Rickles, all these people. A uh, cool little room. Uh, kind of. I'll be honest. The stage was smaller than I thought. The room was more narrow, so it was a little weirder. But um, thanks to everybody for their kind words there, and I had some people come out to the show, so it was a good time. Then the next night, Friday, we did two shows at the theater at Foxwoods, and it was fun. You know, but I will say this, casino crowds, I don't know. It was just something about, it was fun. I had a great time. You know, I had, you know, I I thought the second show I had a lot more fun than I did on the first show. But like the theater wasn't intimate or cozy. It was just like this, it was almost like this huge ramp of seats that just go way, way up high. It was like 1,400, but nothing cozy about it. You can't, you don't feel intimate at all. Um, The stage was kind of cut off. The, 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 the curtain was like only giving you like four feet of stage in front, so it was just kind of weird. Um, but I had a I had a great time. It's just casino crowds; you could tell they're drinking and gambling. They just didn't it didn't feel like I don't know. It just didn't feel like the 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 typical like comedy going crowd in a theater. 
Um, but again, I did have a good time. Thanks for the people that came out to that. I had some people come out to that. Um, it was cool too. Cause I was walking in the, uh, casino, like lobby there, like outside of the, of the theater and people I went to high school with who had no idea that I was even on the show was there, uh, saying some, you know, Oh man, I couldn't believe I saw you up there and I didn't realize it was you. And then I realized it was congratulations, blah, blah, blah. So that was cool. But, um, the big one was, the big one was, um, the Westbury, the theater at Westbury in Long Island. By the way, in Connecticut, one thing that I have to mention is Burr and I, I kept talking about Frank Pepe's Pizza, and we went to it in New Haven, Connecticut. And I hyped it up, and I said, dude, this is the best pizza you're ever going to have. This is the original place, 1925, with the ovens that just get to unbelievably high temperatures, and, and it, it's it's famous, and he thought it was everything I said it was. He thought it was the best. Um, we ate Oh, man, we got clam pizza, white clams. Then we got plain, and we got sausage and garlic. We ate like pigs. Then we went next door to Libby's, and we got a cannoli, and I had a espresso. And um, and then we went to go perform with that sitting in our bellies. But um, the next, the, so that was at the Foxwoods night. And then, and then the next night was the theater at Westbury in Long Island. Now. I have never performed in the round before, okay? Um, I've heard things about it, but I've never really experienced anything like that. Now, I was told by my manager, my manager, Chris Italia, was so friggin' excited about me doing this. And I was just like, Chris, I did Carnegie Hall, man, you know? And, and not, not to be like a dick saying, oh, I've done it. I was just saying, like, I mean, if you're going to be excited about anything, and he was excited about Carnegie, but I was like, you know, he's like, no, Paul, trust me. You don't understand what the round is. And I was like, well, tell me. And he goes, the round is basically one of the most intense situations. And if you could do it, you could basically do anything because you're in this island, this circle, and around you is just thousands of people like right on top. So um, I was, I was, you know, like, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out. I got to obviously figure it out on the fly because I never did it before. But the cool thing about this room, the, the theater at Westbury, and by the way, uh, shout out to everybody, everybody who worked there. They treated us so unbelievably great. Um, they had a spread of food for us. They cooked for us afterwards. They gave us cakes. They they were so nice. They made sure the security, we got into the backstage while all those cars were coming in. They took care of it right. Anything that we needed, they asked us, uh, you know, it was just overly done the way that it should be, and it was great. And the place reminded me, of a tiny Madison Square Garden because it seats almost 3,000, right? But here's the thing. When I did Carnegie Hall, Carnegie Hall's 2,800 people and huge, huge. Like you could, it's just like this big, gigantic, like, it, you know, it goes around and, and, you know, you could see far back. And with the theater at Westbury, when I walked into the room and we checked out the stage and the sound beforehand, if you would have asked me how many people the seats, I would have said 700 to 900 people. They were like, no, it seats just shy of 3,000. It's 2,700 people. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me because it's so intimate. So it's not like sections keep going back. It's just one section in front of you, but all the way around you. Um, so we did the sound check. You know, they, they say, you know, about the booths and the water. We got all that shit taken care of. And um, 
you know, we're waiting. And, and here's here's how great of a dude Bill Burr is and how, how much of a gentleman and how much he cares about, you know, the people that he works with. A lot of times on these shows, okay, it's not about the opener and, and you know, they don't care about the opener. So they'll let people get their drinks and come in while the opener's on. And Burr said this almost at every show. And um, I really, you know, man, it's just the best. He's the best. What can I say? He said, he goes, listen... He goes, I want to make sure this show starts when everybody's seated because I don't want him walking out there to a nightmare. And it's like he didn't have to do that. You know, I'm, I'm happy being there. Um, fuck, I'm getting paid. You know, I'm performing in front of a lot of people. I get to bring my brand to comedy and not, not to mention opening for one of the best guys doing it who's also a dear friend of mine. So I'm happy regardless. But the fact that he was just like, no, because one time we did it uh, at Count Basie Theater a couple years ago. And people were still coming in. And he's like, no, nah, fuck that. Next time, don't don't let that happen or, you know, tell me. So ever since then, he's always made sure that uh, everybody's been sitting down, which is which is just insanely nice. So everybody's seats. We start late. Show's supposed to start at 8. We probably started at like 8.15. And it was just so nice. They bring you down. You kind of got to go down like a ramp through the first section and then onto the island. It, feel, it was the most insane feeling because... You're just going there into this bullseye target in the middle. And the stage is like lit up light like white. And then everything else around you is dark. And it's light from the top and the bottom. Uh, so, you know, they were like, ladies and gentlemen, blah, blah, blah. You know, welcome to, you know, the Bill Burr comedy show. Welcome to, you know, the, the Bill Burr show here at the Westbury. Blah, blah, blah. And they make all the announcements and they're like... Um, Right now, please put your hands together for Bill Burr's special guest. And then you've seen him on this, you've seen him on that. And then, you know, my credits and they bring me up. And as I'm walking down, man, New York showed so much love to me. And it was obviously because of, I mean, I don't know if some of those people saw me open for Bill in New York. I know Bill has talked about me on his podcast, um, and uh, which is another just generous thing. And, and he's just a fucking, you know... You know, you're doing things you don't have to do uh, for people that you you know that that you work with and stuff. And I'm coming down, and New York was like, you know, just different, man. It was just a different vibe than Jersey and Connecticut. And I'm not saying that being biased because I'm from New York, but it was just like this electric. Like I'm running down, and people are like Paulie, but like they fucking knew me, man, and they showed me this love. And I got on the stage. And um, I put my water on the stool. I took the mic out. And it was, I was just, you know, telling the crowd that I was happy to be in New York and, and just doing some jokes. And, you know, I opened up with, I actually said one thing to them that everybody got a kick out of where I said, this is the most intense feel. I said, I feel like I'm in the Coliseum and I'm a gladiator. And a fucking tiger is going to jump out and somebody's going to throw me a sword. Because <laughs> you're just in the middle of this thing, man. And they're just all surrounding you, like looking at you, judging you. But they were fucking awesome. Um, I opened up with a joke, a quick joke about Jeremy Lin to break the ice and it crushed. And then I just had a, a great set. One of the best sets I might have ever had. I think it was the second best high to uh, Carnegie Hall. Um, it was just fucking awesome. I was getting text messages from people going, dude, I'm in the crowd right now. That was unbelievable. You know, industry was there and it was just so fucking amazing because I just go there and I'm just like, I just want to do a good job for my friend. And then I have a set like that. And, uh, it was cool. It it was just an insane, intense feeling. But the thing with the round is when you're on, when you're in the round, all you're thinking about. So the, for the first two minutes, I felt like I was walking in circles. 
because you don't want to neglect people because there's a whole, there's like a thousand plus people always looking at the back of your head. So you want to like turn around. So then what I realized was I would dedicate certain bits and certain stories to certain sections of the crowd to give them enough of what I was doing or to give them, you know, me looking at them. So I didn't want to stand in one place and not move. So I moved around and then after like, like I said, two to, I should say two to five minutes and I was doing 20, I kind of found a formula where I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this section, do this joke, or as I'm telling a story in the setup, I'll start one way, look the other way, look the other way, and then punchline at at another section and then just kind of divide the time that way to make sure everybody's getting, I guess, an equal amount of face time, but really intense and a really good experience, um, I would say if anybody's going to work this room, if you're going to open for somebody or, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully I get there one day myself, that's definitely the goal. But I think that um, it, it's something that every comedian should really know how to do because it, it, it gives you a whole different um, perspective on your actual performance, your physical performance, where you're standing, what you're doing, how you're holding the mic. Because then you got a wire mic, you don't want it to swing around your legs like a fucking snake ready to constrict you like that that you all these different things and then is the wire going to wrap around the the stool um so it was it was all that stuff but I figured out a way to to kind of do it and and it was an absolute blast if you guys want to see what I'm talking about just go to Google and type in the theater at Westbury and hit images and you could see and you could look at the one picture where the crowd is just packed out um, which it was for our show, and then this stage in the middle that's a circle, and it's fucking in, in, totally intense and was really just a special moment. So uh, it was awesome. Uh, between uh, the Bergen Pack, the Foxwood Theater, and um, the theater at Westbury, got in front of probably almost like maybe just shy around 7,000 people this weekend. Um, and of course, I don't sell merchandise. Because I don't like to have extra money for myself or my family. Uh, no, I'm actually going to be um, doing doing my my first debut comedy album. Let me tell you something. Um, I preface everything. I preface everything with "Let me tell you something," especially when I get passionate and I talk. I say the words "Let me tell you something" on stage a lot. You know, let me tell you something, people. Let me tell you something, folks. Um, you know, so that's going to be the name of my album, and I will be. Uh, shooting that album, um, I'll be shooting that album in New York City, and that is hopefully what I'm going to be by the summertime taking with me to gigs and getting extra money, um, and also spreading out my uh, spreading out my talents. I want to take my talents to everywhere that fucking people show up, so I'm going to be doing that, um, and I hope you fucking people buy it. All right, what the fuck? I'm here sitting here in front of my computer. I, I'm buying microphones and equipment, telling you people what's going on in my life and my career. And I think the least you could do is pony up fucking ten bucks. I don't even have it yet, and I'm still, I'm still trying to sell it. Save it, save the date, people. I don't even have the date yet, but just get <laughs> get ready to save a date, or get ready for the announcement. My debut comedy album. Let me tell you something. And I'm so fucking picky and a perfectionist that there's still jokes that I know work that I don't even know if I want on it. But at the same time, my managers made a good point. They said, let's just retire every all the, let's get all this stuff in one so it's documented and we have it. 
And I guess that makes sense, but if the joke isn't up to snuff, I don't want to put it out there. Uh, but I'm going to be taping that from a really, really cool spot in New York City, and I'll talk about that later on. But um, now, getting in front of all those people, if I was selling merchandise, it would have been fucking... I mean, even if like 1% of the people bought something, I would have made some extra cash. But anyway, um, so that was my weekend, and it was pretty cool. And now I'm back to fucking sending emails to try to get into a 50 seat <laughs> comedy is amazing man it's like you you have these these nights that are just unbelievable and then you just go back and you're like oh my god i got i gotta keep writing um so after the weekend happens um i got i was having problems with my stomach okay just having problems with my stomach, and uh, years ago, about a decade ago, I had surgery on my stomach for uh, diverticulosis, um, you know, so I can't eat certain things, and my stomach gets problems, and I've just been having this problem with my stomach, not feeling right, so I went to the doctor, and the doctor takes blood from me, says, okay, you know, we'll take blood, and then, you know, we'll check the stomach, we'll take one step at a time, let's just take blood, see what's going on, so I give blood, everything is fine. Now, I'm a hypochondriac with certain things. Not always, but, you know, certain things. Only because the the stomach issue that I had the first time was a routine doctor's office. And they're like, I'm sorry, we got to send you to the emergency room. Not something you really want to hear for just a routine checkup. So it's because of that that I always get kind of freaked out when I have an issue and I got to go talk to somebody uh, or, or go for a quick checkup with a doctor. So I go to the doctor. They take two vials of blood. I'm in and out real quick. Uh, the doctor, my doctor, my, my regular doctor was on vacation. So a doctor stepped in for him and, uh, you know, I didn't like that that much, but you know, she was, she was great. She talked to me about everything. She was, um, just really cool and stuff. You know, we had a nice conversation talking about it. She was showing me pictures of her kids. It was, it was funny how it happened anyway. So she takes blood. She says, okay, we'll take it one step at a time. Everything you want to hear. Okay. I'm on top of it. That's it. So I go home, and the day goes by, and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, so that's a good thing. All of a sudden, my phone rings at after 10 o'clock at night, okay? Like, I'm looking, it's like 10 after 10, and I look at my phone, and it says blocked. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to answer this. I don't like to usually, you know, answer a blocked call, Because you don't know what it is. You don't know if it's some kind of bullshit. Oh, yeah, vote for so-and-so for the, you know, some or some kind of bullshit. So I was like, but it could be a comedy thing. So let me just answer it. So I answer the phone at night. And I hear this woman's voice with an accent. And right away, I'm like, all right, this isn't going to be anything for me or something. She goes, oh, I'm looking for Paul Verzi. So I'm like, oh, it is about me. So what's up? And she goes... I said, this is Paul. I didn't say, what's up? So, <laughs> yeah, this is Paul. What's up? No, I said, yeah, um, this is Paul. And she says, okay, uh, Paul, um, this is so-and-so from the um, blood lab. And now I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, I'm just like, as soon as you hear she goes, yeah, well, um, we're going over your blood here. And you have an unusually high, you have an unusually high levels of potassium in your blood. And, you know, the normal level is this, yours is this, and now I'm just like, now I'm like, I'm fucked. 
I literally was like, this is bad. Like, maybe this is why my stomach's been acting up. Like, something's wrong. I'm fucking scared now. You know, she's calling me up at night, and she's telling me all this. And then she's like, well, you know, I just want you to go back to the doctor and redo the test because sometimes the tests can be, you know, shaken up or they could there could be, like, clotting because of the, the, the way that the blood is taken out. The blood could bang up against something. So we don't know if it's accurate. A lot of times there's false readings with this. So I just want you to go there tomorrow. So I said to her, I was like, well, is this something I should be overly concerned with? And she goes, no. She said, if I thought that this was something you should be overly concerned with, then uh, I would send you to the hospital, you know, right away. So the first thing I do, and I was like, all right, I'll go to the doctor tomorrow. She said, yeah, just call, make an appointment, go to the doctor and get it done tomorrow. So I'm like, fucking great. Now it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm thinking all kinds of shit. I'm like, ah, fuck. You know, I mean, whatever it is. It is, and you have to deal with, but you just don't want to fucking deal with something if it's bad, especially like, you know, it's just amazing life. I'm coming off this incredible weekend. I get in front of all these people. I'm, I'm trying to make my comedy evolve and write these new jokes and, and try to get to a certain level that I'm trying to get to. And then the next fucking day, I can't even sit that. I, I can't even enjoy. I can't even sit and enjoy it, of course. So I'm worried now. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? You know, so I call my wife, I talk to my wife, I go upstairs, I go, listen, you know, my blood thing came back, they called, so my wife immediately goes to the computer, and she starts checking stuff, and my wife tries to play shit cool, which sometimes I don't like, so, she was like, no, it's, it'll probably be alright, I'm like, what if it's not, like, what if, you know, and she's like, well, and we get into an argument, of course, uh, she marches upstairs, I stay downstairs, so like, fuck, whatever it is, I'll deal with it alone, you know, typical bullshit guy, woman fight over something like that. And I, um, I start looking on Google. And basically, high potassium levels mean... Um, oh, one thing I left out was she told me to on the phone. She says, usually high potassium levels mean... And that's where I hold my breath and go, oh, fuck. And she goes, can mean, you know, kidney failure or something with your heart. She goes, but all the signs we have here are fine. Your, your kidney functions are fine. My blood pressure was actually better, like, was phenomenal. I had great blood pressure, so that wasn't a thing. So that's why she was like, something might be wrong. We don't understand this. Are you also on a medication that could be doing this? So um, that made me feel a little better. And I look online, and it says, uh, you know, high potassium levels could mean problems with your kidneys or, like, ready to have a fucking heart attack if it gets high enough. So I'm thinking, well, if my blood pressure is okay and my kidney function is okay... You know, I'm not really worried about this, but at, and they told me not to go to the hospital. But I'm still like, if I'm if I'm have a chance to have a heart attack any minute, this is bullshit. You're calling me up late at night, and then like, don't call me up at night and then go. It's not something to be overly concerned about. Call me at 9 a.m. Okay, like don't make me. Yeah, I just I understand what they were trying to do. They probably didn't realize that I was a, you know, a comedian who doesn't work during the day. But it still freaked me out. So then the next day, before I called. Like right at nine o'clock, I get a call from my doctor saying, hey, you know, we, we heard you got to come back in and do this. Um, and they were just like, you know, we're going to do it again. A lot of times it could be a false reading. And she was like, but you don't have any uh, tightness in your chest, do you? <laughs> and right when she said that, I wanted to be like, now I do. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, like basically, are you, am I waiting to have a heart attack? Just fucking tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. So I go to the doctor, and they take another vial of blood, and the nurse was really nice, and she said to me, um, I'm going to be on top of this for you all day. I'm going to make sure that 
you know, you get the results. I'm going to try to call you with the results at the end of the day. I'll even walk upstairs if I have to to get this done for you. So you don't have to sit there and think about or worry about what's going on. Um, it's probably a false reading, but I'll let you know. So I give the blood. I come home. Now I give like three vials of blood in like 24, like in 24 hours. And they're telling me, don't eat anything high in potassium yet. Let's see what's going on. So I go home. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm, you know, I'm not really thinking about it because I'm, I'm, I have, uh, I have my son during the day. I had to bring my son to the, um, to the doctor with me and, you know, he was distracting me and I was just like, well, you know, whatever it is, it is. If I got to take something to lower my potassium, I'll do it. You know, what can, what can you do? So I get a call finally at like almost five o'clock and it was the lady and she goes, Hey Paul, so-and-so. And like, she seemed nice. And I'm like, all right, that, that's a good sign. You know, could you imagine if she's like, hey, Paul, and then she even said to me, she goes, hey, I told you I'd get back to you by the end of the day. <laughs> Do you imagine if she's like, hey, Paul, hey, all right, well, I told you I'd get back to you by the end of the day. Listen, you got to go to the hospital. We we have some high levels here. <laughs> she didn't do that. I <laughs> just fucking make me have a heart attack right there just by her reaction. No, she says, um, I told you I'd get back to you by the end of the day. Just want to let you know that the levels of potassium were significantly lower this time. Um Still bordering kind of high, but nothing that we're concerned with at all. Just watch this and that. Um, they're not even concerned. They don't even think it's an issue anymore. So I was like, all right, cool. So that made me feel better. Um, and now the doctor, I guess, is going to follow up with me today to make sure that, um, you know, to make sure that I'm just, you know, that all the other blood was good. But they said that if there was anything else with the blood that they had issues with, they would have let me know everything else they did not have an issue with, which is really good. So... Um, I'm not going to fuck with bananas or fruit for a while, and I'm going to drink a lot more water. Which brings me to letting you people know here, and I'm saying it here, and I've been talking shit to it with people that I'm close to, and I'm going to tell you people here on the Verzi Effect, because you people, let's be honest, you guys are my family away from family. You listen to me weekly, you you listen to my podcast, you uh, support me and my comedy career. So I am telling you, I am making a vow to you. Okay, that I am changing my lifestyle. I am. I am going to be drinking a ton of water. I am going to be drinking non-fat, I mean, uh, eating non-fatty foods. I am not going to be drinking soda. I basically cut out beer already. And I really want to be 15 to 20 pounds lighter in the next four to five months. And that's my goal. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of worrying about this. I'm tired of, you know, going, you know, I always hovered around like, you know, at my heaviest, 190-something, and at my lightest, like, 180. But I want to get to 175, 170, and just live that lifestyle. I've eaten enough good food in my life. I have fucking was a glutton with shit. Um, I'm tired of it. I want to be healthy. I want to play with my kids. And I want to get this shit done the right way. So I am changing my lifestyle. I don't even know if I'm going to go on in a fatty diet or anything like that. I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to just really read up on it, um, not eat after certain times at night and do it. If anybody has any tips for me, um, and like I said, you know, I know I sound like I'm talking like a fat fuck here who needs to lose a hundred pounds, but you know what? That's the attitude I need to have. I need to really go at this thing because, if you keep saying, oh, I just need to lose 15 pounds. I've been saying I need to lose 10 to 15 pounds for the past three fucking years, and I'm tired of it. I want to at least go and say oh, I want to lose five more pounds. If I could get to that point where I'm like, oh, I just want to lose five more pounds. No, I need to lose 15. I would like to lose 15 to 20 pounds, and I'm going to make this shit happen. Okay? 
I got friends talking shit to me saying, Verzi, you don't got it in you. Just trying to motivate me. You're going to go at it for the first little bit and you're going to stop. Well, I'm going to show them. And if you're listening to this and you're doubting me, I'm going to show you too. Um, I'm losing fucking weight. I'm t- yeah, you know, I, was, I, like, I like to watch the Food Network a lot. And these people, man, are just, these people are just like, I don't know. It's it's just so sad to see somebody who like needs to lose a hundred pounds or they're gonna die, and I couldn't imagine that. Like, when do you look in the mirror and just go, "My fucking, I look like, you know, it's just terrible." So I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And my manager said to me, "Hey, you look like you put you because I lost like eight to nine pounds." And my manager and Bill Byrne, a couple of people said, "Oh, you look you look like you put some on," and I'm like, "Son of a bitch." And maybe that's why I'm having... I'm just done. I'm done with this shit. I am going full-fledged. I'm going to get skinny and lean. And it's going to make my penis look even bigger. (laughs) No, I'm doing it. No more pizza. No more Frank Pepe's. I'm glad I got that out of my system. I got to cut out... Here's what I got to cut out. I got to cut out pastas. I can't eat pizza. I can't eat pasta. And I'm Sicilian. That's just like... You know, oh my God, that's really hard to do. Really hard to do. Um, I gotta watch the amount of bread. I can't carbohydrate intake. I can't eat. I can't eat fruits. I gotta watch sugar. All this shit, I just gotta watch. I can't even. I basically am gonna be eating grilled chicken, white rice. I guess certain, like certain types of noodles occasionally in a soup. Um, I don't know. I just got to change this shit. My wife doesn't help because my wife is pregnant. So she comes home with bags of chocolate peanuts and stuff. And I'm just staring at it like a crackhead. You know what it's like? My wife came home the other day because all this candy was on sale. And she had like a fucking garbage bag filled with candy. And she just like, oh, don't worry, I'll hide it. She puts it in the most obvious hiding places. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I could take one of these. You know, she wants ice cream now. So her pregnancy is turning me into this, like, I'm like sneaking in. I'm like sneaking around the kitchen. Like, what? what's, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I, I just, I feel like I, um, I'm falling into this trap of a pregnant woman's cravings at night, which is then making me a fatter fuck. And it's not, it's not nice. It's not, it's not a nice thing for my wife to do. And I told her, I said, Stace. Can you can you get something and just let me not know it even fucking exists? How about that? Just get a get a bag of of um you know, get a bag of chocolate candy bars, put them in your purse or put them upstairs where I don't know that they're there. Because if you put them downstairs in that one ceramic thing that you put everything in, I'm going to know and I'm going to be shoving Twix in my head during the Knicks game and I don't want to do it. And then I find out that there's a gallon of ice cream in the freezer. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know what, too? This is what I do when I sneak ice cream. I grab the I grab the, the container of ice cream and I take the spoon and I'm, like, I'm going to take a couple of bites. I'll take one bite, right? So I take one bite. I'm like, ah, oh, man, this is good chocolate ice. It's even nice and soft. I'll take one bite. Then I lie to myself and I go, all right, listen, you can't have more than five, though. So when I'm about four, I go three more, three more bites. By the time it's all done, I had 10 fucking spoonfuls of ice cream, which would probably be more than I would get at Dairy Queen. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I only played with it with the spoon a little bit. I don't have that much. I don't have that much. And, And meanwhile, I could feel my face and neck getting fatter as I'm swallowing this liquid fat cream. And, um, it, it's just, it's bad. It really is bad. So... Last night, I took it upon myself. I made some white rice, and I made some beef strips, 
and I kind of made a stir fry with some onions and some pepper. I don't know why my podcast just turned into a health cooking show. I'm sorry. Um, there's probably somebody fat at the other end that is crying right now. <laughs> I want to do that. It's so hard. It's so. I got no sympathy though for people. If listen. If you have a genuine weight problem and you can't, like, it's something health-wise, my heart goes out to you. But if you're crying at night drinking M&Ms like uh, Eddie Murphy was in, um, what was that, Doc, uh, Dr. No, not Dr. Doolittle, The Nutty Professor, where he's just crying and he grabs a jar of M&Ms and he just throws it in his mouth and they're coming out of the sides. I have no sympathy for that. You know, don't say, oh, I get depressed and I want to eat. That's bullshit. Get depressed and go jogging. Nobody ever gets depressed and does something productive. Nobody's ever like, ah, oh, man, I am so depressed. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> They're always like, ah, oh, I'm so depressed. Give me that crack pipe or that gallon of ice cream so I could shove in my face. I don't understand that. I know it's comforting, but, like, how about being productive? That should be comforting, too. I no sympathy for somebody. If you're over 550 pounds and you're crying about it, I got no, I, I just, oh, it's too late. No, it's not too late. Um, so that's, that's the lifestyle change. I'm going for a lifestyle change. I'm going to run. I'm going to jog. Uh, the weather's getting a little better now, so it's going to be easier playing basketball on Monday nights. Uh, those are the nights that I'm going to try not even to get booked at stand up. I mean, I don't want to turn money down. So if I get booked, I get booked, but I want my, my one night a week to play basketball. I want to eat good during the week and I want to see results. That's what I'm doing, people. I'm making a vow on the Verzi Effect, episode 51. The next Every time any of you see me out in public, you come to a show, you're going to see that I'm getting more slim. And if you see me slipping, call me out and go, dude, I listened to the podcast. Your neck is telling the story. Your fat neck is telling me that you're not, you're not, keeping, your, uh, you're not keeping what you said you were going to do. Um, so that's it. Uh, what else do we have here for the, sh- and listen, my heart goes out to you. I don't want to offend anybody. If you're really overweight and you're struggling with it and you eat when you get depressed, I'm, I'm kind of half joking here, but make a stand because once you see the results, once you start to see you turn, you can turn a corner and do it, just do it. You know what the thing is? People think the food's going away. The food's not going away. You could order a pizza any fucking time you want, any year, any week, any day. You can, you can order the pizza. It's not going anywhere. People, oh, let's get a pizza. No, we always get it on Tuesday. Let's just get the pizza on Tuesday and then I'll work it off. Don't. Go the other way. Try to find delicious, healthy things to eat. It's tough. It's tough when you're, you know, drinking water. I was drinking, I've been drinking water from my hunger and it's horrible. But I wake up in the morning, I look at my stomach, everything's going down, I feel better. Um, okay, so what else do we got? Uh, let's get into a little sports. We're about 30-something, 30 34 minutes in. And you know what's hard, too, being a comedian? I'm going to go to, like, Texas. I'm going to Texas twice this year, and I'm going to San Antonio, Texas, which is, like, the fourth or seventh fattest city in America. And I'm just, someone's going to be like, hey, let's go down here. Yeah, they got this uh, meatloaf doused in cheddar cheese with gravy on top, and then they throw a bucket of potatoes on it. You got to have it once. And in my mind, I'll be like, all right, once, I got to have that. I mean, it's meatloaf covered in cheddar cheese, gravy, and potatoes. I got to, how do you not have that? Then I'm going to go to Atlanta. Oh, I got this thing down here. It's a southern, it's a fucking southern shrimp leg with, <laughs> you know, then you go out to um, Boston. Yeah, eat this New England fat chowder. <laughs> you can't, I can't escape it. And being a comic, you're driving, you're on the road. I'm fucked. It's not going to happen. I might have to take back that vow. I'll let you guys know in a week. Um, 
sports people. The New York Knickerbockers have won, I believe, nine of their last 11 games. Carmelo Anthony came back. They won that game. Um, they lost the first game with him. They won the second game with him. Tonight, I am excited. I am not performing unless something comes in last minute. I am not performing tonight. And my New York Knickerbockers will be playing the Miami Heat at 7 o'clock in Miami. Biggest test for our new phenom point guard Jeremy Lin, but everybody's healthy. Baron Davis is backing up Jeremy Lin on the bench. J.R. Smith is on our bench, which makes it much deeper. We got a, He's a straight shooter. He can shoot the lights out when he gets hot. We got uh, Amari healthy, Mello. I'm excited. Landry Fields is playing at a high level because of Lin. So the whole team is playing at a high level because of Jeremy Lin. So I am Happier than I've been as a Knicks fan probably in a decade. I think that this team is going to climb up in the standings in the East, and I think that they're going to have great battle in the East in the playoffs. I think this team right now can win a playoff series um, in the first round. And um, I'll be honest, I think if they click and go, I think that they could beat anybody. I, I really do. I think that this is a legitimate um, Eastern Conference uh, Eastern Conference uh, contender for a championship. I really do. I don't know... Oklahoma City's probably going to go for the West. That would be my pick. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder is going to go to the finals uh, because I think that the Lakers um, just don't have the pieces. I think the Spurs are too old. Uh, the Mavericks could go and repeat. It's going to be a fight for the Mavericks, but I, I like the Mavericks or Oklahoma City in the West and in the East. you got to say Bulls, Heat, um, and it's fun to even throw the Knicks in there now. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to a game, I believe, in March. I'm going to go to a couple of games before this is over because this is too much fun. Unfortunately, Jeremy Lin has made tickets like fucking $300 if you want a decent seat in Madison Square Garden. Um, who would have thought? I said on stage, I said that um, I believe in the Mayan. That's what I said. I said the Mayan calendar. I believe the Mayan calendar to be true and that we should all... Be with our loved ones in this last year because the world is coming to an end. And the crowd got quiet and didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, because of one specific incident, recent incident, recent events have let me know it's over, the end of times. And then I just paused and I said, an Asian kid saved the New York Knicks. <laughs> Hold on, let me rephrase that. An undrafted 6'3 Asian... Harvard graduate fucking biology major saved the New York Knicks. If you would have told me that this was going to happen, I would have been like, this is amazing. It's amazing. Saved D'Antoni's job. And let me say this, okay? I know some of you people who don't like sports want me to get on to the next thing, and I will in a second. I'm going to talk some Oscar awards real quick, but I want to say that Mike D'Antoni, the coach of the Knicks, who everybody's saying is in trouble, is in trouble, or was in trouble. I actually saw why this guy gets hired all the time and why he wins 50-plus games all those years. And Jeremy Lin said it best. Mike D'Antoni offensively is a genius. He actually has a system on offense where if he gets the right players, they can, they can just continue to win, and you just need the point guard. And a buddy of mine... A buddy of mine who I went to um, I went to high school with this kid. He played basketball. This kid, Pat Brown. Patty, I don't know if you're listening. Shout out to you because I, I, you said this to me on the phone the other day about the Knicks, and I, I agree 100%. It's, he said that we used to just have the point guard run up 
and many offenses do, where the point guard runs up to the top of the key, dishes to the left of the right guy, you know, the wing, and that's it. And then, then you just like pass the ball around to somebody gets a shot. Mike D'Antoni's system actually has the point guard run around with the basketball, pass it off, get the ball back, run around with the basketball, penetrate to the hole, Okay, then there's a breakdown in defense because a sec- guy, second defender steps up, which leaves somebody open, and then he dishes to the man in the inside and for an easy dunk or a layup. You know, and then in transition, you're running up and down the floor, and that's what Mike D'Antoni's system does. And with a point guard like Jeremy Lin, the same way it worked with Steve Nash, it's working right now, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see that this guy, so they brought in that defensive guy, what Mike Wooden or something from uh, from the, the Atlanta guy, the old Atlanta coach, and he's preaching defense. We got Tyson Chandler playing defense, and he's been everything that he should be. So uh, I'm liking it, man. I'm liking the Knicks' chances. I think that this is awesome. Um, it's nice to have the New York Giants season end the way that it did, knowing the Yankee season's coming pretty good, um, like, like it is every year. You know, basically win the whole fucking thing or bust, which is always fun. Uh, not to mention my boy Robinson Cano and the New York Yankees. Always oh, shout out to Robinson Cano, New York Yankees. I've been talking shit about Robinson Cano for what? Uh, since what? Day 15 in the league. I called up the fan to talk about him. And what is he doing? He's doing nothing but turning into the Hall of Fame baseball player that I always thought and knew that he was. Robinson Cano, New York Yankees. Are you kidding me? Kid is a fucking beast, man. 29 home runs, 30 home runs every year. What? 317, 100 guy's the best. Probably, he's the most talented baseball player in New York. I said it. Right now. And I'm putting A-Rod and Jeter in there. Robinson Cano is the most talented baseball player in New York right now. See how I just got alive because of this kid? This kid gets to the plate. Not to mention, best numbers against the Boston Red Sox on the road. Kid goes to Fenway Park and shits all over their field. It's amazing. Um, So now, yeah, it's a good time to be a Knicks fan. It's a good time um, to... To be a New York fan, if if <laughs> if you don't like the if you don't like the Jets or Mets, <laughs> sorry guys, I had to. I heard that on the radio too. Somebody was like, "Yeah, it's a good time to uh, be a a New York sports fan." And Evan Roberts goes, "Wait a minute, I'm a Nets, Jets, and and Mets fan." So I guess only half the state. But no, this is amazing, man. To see Madison Square Garden alive like this is great. So congratulations to all the Knicks fans who finally have something to watch. You know the last time? I used to be done with the Knicks in December. December 15th, I'd be like, oh, what are we? All right, seven games under 500, it's over. Just, you know, you'd watch them. I I gave them like a a month and a half. Uh, Okay, so what else do we have? This Sunday, everybody, is the Oscar Awards. Um... The highly anticipated red carpet ceremonies or or red carpet special, I should say, leading into the Oscar Awards this year. And here's my problem with the Oscar Awards. First of all, I don't give a fuck who... Who who's wearing? Who are you wearing? You wearing this one? Yeah? Oh, wow. I don't really like the strap. Why'd she pick blue? Why'd she pick white? Who gives a shit? Okay, she got five hundred million dollars in the bank, and some lucky Hollywood prick is gonna be banging her later. I don't give a shit. It's bullshit. I gotta sit there and listen to Joan Rivers and her daughter Melissa Rivers and and all the Kelly Osbourne. Oh, they're wearing a white dress. Why would you pick a white dress? Why is her hair like this? It doesn't matter. She's going to the fucking Oscar Awards to win one of the most prestigious get the one of the most prestigious honors in 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 show business, and they're gonna just talk about how much fucking money they have. Listen, maybe that's being bitter. 
because comedians get shit on at the Oscars. One of the greatest things I ever heard about the Oscar awards by a comedian was Rodney Dangerfield, one of my heroes, and he said, I think it's kind of funny that there's no award for comedy at the Oscars, yet every year they ask a comedian to host it. And that is a perfect, perfect, it couldn't be more perfect thing to say about the Oscar awards. You know, yeah, Billy Crystal a million times. You had Steve Martin. They were going to have Eddie Murphy. They had Chris Rock. All these people. Uh, I'm getting... Yeah, so... Uh, Freaking phone going off here. Yeah, so, you know, they have all these comedians host the thing, and there's no really awards or recognition for comedy at the Oscars. And another thing I don't like about the Oscars is best performance... Uh, by no, or not even best performance, not even actor or or supporting actor. How about movies? You know, the nominations for best film is ten to nine films, or nine to ten films, I should say. That's like a lot of movies. So many people have different tastes in movies. Some people like the dramas. You know, there's a ton of like, and I just think to nominate that many, there should be it should be broken down to like four or five of the best movies. Let's be honest, ten, not ten movies deserve you know, the honor of picture of, of the year. And they know that. So it's either like a respect thing or it's just silly to get people excited. But I think that the best picture, okay, you're talking about the best movie of the year should be, could probably be narrowed down to two, but I understand if you want to do four or five to do nine or 10 is just ridiculous. Um, so I might just watch the best film or whatever. If the Knicks aren't playing, if, if a sporting events on, I'm not watching the Oscars. Um, but that's it people. Uh, what else do I have going on here? I have, uh, show-wise, I will be performing. Where will I be performing next? Um, just did that. So, uh, wow. Uh, I got some, I got a, I got a gig in, in, uh, March 2nd, and I'm going to be running around New York City. I'll put it on my Facebook and stuff. I'll be running around New York City, um, these next this next week working on new material doing spots in the city after that booked um i guess the next uh big or or best uh show to probably advertise on here i'll be at gotham comedy club for the comedy juice show which is a great showcase tuesday march 6th at 10 o'clock so if you're in new york city around march march 6th check that out that should be a great crowd great show um and i'll put up all the other shows uh that i'm running around the city doing material on and stuff beforehand all right thanks everybody uh, till episode till episode 52 I'm out of here